I'm going to pray and then we'll get right into the word this morning. So Father, we do thank you so much, Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to come and to gather and to be with one another, uh, to have, man, just some fellowship together. We thank you for that. God, we also pray now that you would speak to us. Lord, we need to hear from your word this morning. And so I pray that you would, Lord, give us hearts to hear what it is that your spirit wants to speak to us this morning. And Jesus, I pray that you would empower me, God, to speak your truths to your people, to be able to relay them. Lord, as you would see fit, God, I'm just looking for your direction, Lord, for clarity, for boldness in speech, God. And we do. We thank you for this time, Jesus. And we ask that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, saints, well, we are again, as I said, in Philippians chapter 3 this morning um, in a message I've entitled, Letting Go and Pressing Forward in Christ. Letting Go and Pressing Forward in Christ. It's almost like having stage lights right now. That sun is like, boom. So I just see like figures of you and shapes of you. Um, so anyway, so just in time for Christmas, not this Christmas, but back in 2017 in December, there was an article in the New York, in the New York Post um, about a survey uh, that the home and storage leader, Closet, uh, they're called Closet May, they conducted this survey, and the article was entitled, Americans Love Hoarding Junk. Hey, that was the article. And this is what they discovered in that survey, right? That at the average American hoards at least 23 items, right, that they absolutely have no use for. Just things that they're just storing and keeping uh, all together, right? And so here is what they found as well. Over half of those people that participated said they had somewhat of a clutter issue. And about half of them Right, or I'm sorry, I should say about a good one in seven of them admitted that they had a great deal of clutter, and then 39% said they had quite a bit of clutter. Now, here's here's are some of the things that they found in that article as far as things that people hold on to. One was old clothing, seasonal items, uh, beach chairs, Christmas decor, old footwear. Um, and just some of these things that clutter with the mindset that I'm going to need them in the future. At some point, I'm going to need them. So we hold on to them, right? Check this out. Here is the top 10 of those things that people are holding on to. One was old clothing, with which I am very guilty of. I have a dresser drawer at home right now with shirts and shorts that I never touch, never use, never wear. And I keep thinking, I might, maybe, I you know, they just stay there, which, okay, I need to get rid of, man. Uh, seasonal items. Old footwear, boxes, books, clothing never worn, old chargers and cables, old magazines and newspapers, old movies, outdated electronics. How many of you guys still have VHS tapes in your house taking up room? Oh, man. Okay, you guys are honest. The rest of you guys are lying. Right? You're thinking that one day we're going to break out these old Disney VHS movies, and no, they're just taking up a lot of room and dust. Right? And so here's the thing, as we look at that article, and as it got me thinking even about today's message, I think what it really is, is it's just symptoms of a greater deal. And part of that is of letting go, of just letting go of things. And, and some of the reasons I think that it's hard to let go is a lot of times those items have some kind of nostalgia attached to them. 
right? They've got memories. They've got memories of yesteryear and lost loves and, you know, all these different things. We've got plaques from jobs we're not even at anymore, right? For like, job well done. And we're like, no, I need that plaque. And so you put it back in the drawer and we hold on to them because they have and they represent some of our old achievements, past achievements, maybe some past losses and so forth. But as I think about those things, even more on a spiritual level, right, and especially the verses that we're going to look at this morning, this whole framework that Paul has been going is about letting go of these things that we put value on, right? Letting go of even the past and even letting go of these things that sometimes give us some sort of identity, even when it comes to spiritual identities, things that we would use as measurements of even our closeness with walking with God. And so all of a sudden, these things became or become things that we hold on to. But going forward, one of the things that Paul said, remember in, in the last verses that we covered, Paul said, what things were gained to me, right, good or bad, I counted as loss. In fact, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. In some words, he would use, it's all dung. It's all junk. And yet, a lot of times, we hold on to these things. And I believe part of the answer that Paul has for us this morning as we look at these verses, part of that is letting go. And what brought me to my title this morning of letting go and pressing forward in Christ. And this morning, we're going to look at three things that we draw out. There's a lot more things there, but just three things that I believe the Lord would have us to draw out of our study this morning. And that one is just as the title of the message would say, letting go and pressing forward in Christ. The second thing is going forward and unity, and then the last thing is going forward as citizens of heaven. So let's look at these verses, the first point, right, of letting go and pressing forward in Christ. Look what he says in these first two verses, picking up from last week. Paul says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, letting go. It's really the key for this. And in some cases, I know you can say, well, that's easy for you to say, especially as we look at some of the verses that Paul was talking about last week of getting into that place where we look at all of our, what could be our perceived accomplishments, looking at all these things that we've been through in the past, maybe even things that have been done to us, and then coming to a place of saying, you know what, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm going to count it all dung. And now remember, Paul came from one who had that authority, right? Right. He came as one who was this man who everyone looked up to. The achievements that he had is who he was as a Pharisee, as a teacher of all teachers, of someone who had attained to this status and who was persecuting the church, zealous for God, and yet all these accomplishments, the things that some of the Judaizers, these people who were creeping into the church and putting legalistic trips on the people, something that they were aspiring to, Paul is saying, man, all that stuff, it just, it doesn't matter when I look at the big picture of following who Jesus is. It doesn't matter. Now, some parts we can say like, man, to get to that place, Paul is obviously there. And good for you, Joe, if you're in that place, awesome. I'm still working through things. 
right? Good for you that you can experience the power of Christ. Well, Paul, I think, really brings it down to just a practical level when he says, right, look, it's not that I've attained. It's not that I've even arrived. I'm, I'm not there yet, even myself. My heart is there, and I want to go forward in that way, but I haven't arrived. It, it's really the idea here that Paul brings forward is that of we're in this race together. We're right, we're walking this life of, of following after Jesus. And in this process, right, we're all made up of different people, different walks of life, from different spiritual backgrounds. And really, it is a false perception, right, to think that people have arrived or that we foolishly would come to a place of like, like I figured out, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. If I practice this, 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 and this, and follow these methods and these practices, then I've arrived. Paul says, no. No, it's a process. It's all a process. I remember coming into the church years and years ago, uh, not here, but obviously when I first became a Christian, and it's easy to look at and see people singing to Jesus and with their their arms raised and, 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 and just singing out to the Lord with boldness, people on the stage. And it's really easy to see that um, and think, well, man, these people must have it together. You know, they must have their spiritual walks down. And, and so they might have answers that I don't have yet. I know at least coming from a Pentecostal background that I did, and, and, and there's some aspects definitely that I miss for sure. But I remember every now and then that pastor, and I'm sure I've said this before, would be up there and because I think he also held the lead worship, but every now and then he'd be up there where there's a teaching, and he would just kind of like like pause in the middle of that and almost kind of have this little side conversation by himself and then would like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yes. you know, And then kind of come back, and so you were just like, wow, man, this guy, man, I don't walk with God that way. I just, I don't, Lord, I'm just a wretch or something, or something's wrong with me, you know, I keep blowing it. It would be foolish for us, right, to think that way. That's why John, right, says in 1 John chapter, uh, I believe it's 1 verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. It's another way of saying that none of us will at this place of spiritual perfection or of arrived. I've definitely, especially as a, as, as a younger man and as I'm getting older now in my mid-40s, Right, there's a part of me that's really starting to be fearful of just casting judgment upon other people's people, especially at other preachers, of just seeing how they lead their churches or how they walk with the Lord and starting to gauge because who am I? Who am I to look in that way and to say, well, they don't do it like us, or they don't, you know, you know, bring the scriptures in this way, or they don't have these spiritual practices that we have the way we do. It's God forbid, who am I that I would come to that place? I'm saying that we've arrived. Paul, the apostle, would say, and it's not that I've arrived. It's not that I've been perfected. Right? It's not that I've, that I've got it down, so to speak. See, the reality is we're all in this process. We're all in this race of walking with Jesus again. And I say race not in the sense of like, let's compete one another, right? But in the sense of, that it's, it's a, you know, like Paul, he, he loves to use this imagery of, of being in the games or, 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 you know, especially like in those days, especially in the Roman Colosseums of them you know, having these Olympic games where they would display their ability, right, to outrun and to outdo other people. And he has this idea of not necessarily the finish, but of being in process, being engaged in the race that we're in. You know, it's kind of like sometimes we'll go, 
you know, after church or whatever, especially here in Washington, right? And, you know, the games are all around this time and we're kind of rushing home and we're thinking like, man, I'm going to miss the game. As soon as we get home, you're just like anticipating it's going to be over. But no, lo and behold, you turn on the TV and it's at the beginning of the third quarter. You're like, woo, made it. Because when? That's when usually it gets going, right? That's when things start happening, when people start waking up. Well, the word picture here that Paul would say is like, that's what we're engaged in. We're not at the end. We're not at the beginning. We're in this race together. We're right in the middle of participating and going forward. So it's not that we have arrived. It's not that we will ever attain, right? Every one of us has this individual relationship with God that God speaks and ministers to us and through us. So in some cases, you'd be like, well, man, how then do I gain victory? How, how do all these things move forward? Well, look what Paul says there. I love this. In verse 13, he says, and I, what I believe is you read this, there's really there's freedom there in it if you think about it because the work is not about us it's in us and through us but look what Paul says there he says brethren I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do hmm one thing I do in other words I confess I don't fully get it I don't fully know I don't fully understand but here's what I can do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Forgetting those things that are behind, like maybe past accomplishment, maybe past failures, you know, past achievements, forgetting all those things that I thought brought me some sort of identity and worth. I forget those things and I press forward. All those things that I thought brought me some sort of spiritual rightness, I, I let it go and I press forward, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I like the New Living Translation. It says it this way. Paul says it this way in that version. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. See, and I think this is key for us as a church. I think in all aspects of our spiritual walks with the Lord, that there are times when really we need to let go and press forward. Forgetting those things which are behind Because really, what can we do about the past? What can we do about it? Can we go back and soften the blows? I mean, as I said, I think one of the reasons this fascinates me, but I love time travel sci-fi, right? And there's been a couple, you know, series that have come on and then they get canceled. I'm like, bum. I probably like my third time through watching Quantum Leap, which was like in the early 90s. You know, I just... Maybe call me dumb or nerdy or whatever, but I like that idea. And maybe the thing that fascinates me about that is that the ability or just the thought of being able to go to the past and do it over again. To be able to, I think that was like the key phrase, right, of, of, of Quantum Leap is going and setting things right that were once were made wrong or something like that. I forget the actual. I would be a super nerd if I really knew it to a line, wouldn't it? <laughs> but there is that thought of wanting to go back and do it ever again. And Paul is, Paul is essentially saying, I'm not bound by that. I don't let that weigh me down. I don't, I don't let what was then, knowing that I can't soften the blow, it's already happened. Yes, that means at times, yes, I need to repent. It's not like we just wash over our sins of the past and so forth. Yes, recognizing and repenting or whatever those cases may be, but not living in it. Not letting that past identify who I am today, right now, in Christ. 
and even in some cases, getting in the way of what God wants to do, of God wants to do. If you're familiar uh, with Calvary Chapel as a movement at all, oftentimes, over the years, I'll get somebody come up to me and say, hey man, where's your Hawaiian shirt? Like, Because that was like a thing, like in the 90s, a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors wear Hawaiian shirts, and I'm just kind of like, dude, that was not me, I was not in the Hawaiian shirt generation, you know? I'm in like the flannel vans generation. Like that's where I'm at. Like that was the past. This is now, so to speak, right? But Paul says, look, now, let's, let's be clear because I know in some ways forgetting itself in and of itself can be a weird thing. Right, obviously, for, especially for you kids, right? Forgetting to take the trash out after mom and dad said to do it, that's bad. That's like really, really bad wherever my kids are at. That's really bad. Right, because that means trash is going to stink all week long until the following week, right, or something. But here's the thing forgetting can be bad if you're forgetting God's past faithfulness, right? That can be bad. But good if you're forgetting your past achievements and failures and so forth, not looking back or letting, not letting go, so that then it freezes you. From what God wants to do. Letting go doesn't just mean washing over sin either. It means acknowledging it. And not wallowing in condemnation. And man, like I should have. I, I mean, I think all of us can, man, relate to that. Of having said something even, right? And as it's going out, you're like, oh, why did I say that? You know, I mean, I have lost sleep over the years of things that I've said that I wish I could have taken back. And so there is a point of repentance, but there's also a place of moving forward. When you let go and press forward, it means that as followers of Jesus, we're pressing toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Kind of like, you know, as it being all in to seeing what Jesus has for us. Right? I mean, it's truly where now maybe it's become a cliche, but I really think that there's merit to that, right? The best is yet to come. And for the follow of Jesus, it's so true. Right? It's so true. Look at this crazy example here. Remember in, in Exodus chapter 14, this is right after um, uh, God had just freed the Egyptians from... I'm sorry, not freed the Egyptians. That's bad. <laughs> not, God didn't free the Egyptians. He freed the children of Israel from the Egyptians. Right? And God had rescued them with power and might and all these amazing miracles, right? And the plagues and so forth, right? And so here they are, by faith, stepping out of Egypt, walking towards this thing. But as they were walking forward into the promises of God, what happened? They got to a place where they got fearful, where they began to look back, right? They began to look back, right behind them. You had the charging Egyptians going forward, going after them. And then right before them, the Red Sea. And they became fearful. And look what happens there in Exodus 14. It says in verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. And shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? It's almost like if like Moses, like with one face, is saying, Hey, you guys, stop being scaredy cats. Don't be freaking out. 
And then he turns around like, God, what's going to happen to us? You know, he's kind of like looking this way. But God says, why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. To go forward. Right? It was a call to press forward in faith. Right? The Red Sea was before them. The soldiers behind them. And sadly, in spite of, right, in spite of God's past and present faithfulness, man, they began to fear they began to cry to the Lord instead of crying out to the Lord in prayer and in worship. They began to look back and they began to look at the circumstance. But, but what we know what happens next, right? Thank God split the Red Sea as they went forward in faith. And forward in faith. It's, it's one of the sweetest things. Years ago when I was working um, uh, doing t-shirts and embroidering all that stuff, we had a guy... Uh, who did this amazing painting that we were going to look into changing into a t-shirt and it was really cool it was it was a depiction this painting of the red sea right and see so how like this ocean just you op- opening up like that and then you had you know it, you know Moses just kind of standing there with with the you know with the staff and you had people starting to walk and in the ocean if you look carefully you could see like these giant like hands as though it was the hands of God like holding open like the the sea and the scriptures told us right God God went before them and the children of Israel walked as though they were on dry ground. It wasn't even muddy. And they went forward in faith. And, and I believe that is like a word for us today. For us as followers of Jesus, thousands of years later, we see the affection of our prize, of our goal, and it's the man Christ Jesus who would call us today right through the mouth of, of, of Paul the Apostle to say, look, if there's anyone here who has something of worth, of value to brag about, if anyone who has something you know, that, that's worthy of speaking, I more than anyone else, but instead I've come to a place of saying, no, it's all a loss. It's all a loss. Forgetting the past and pressing forward. Letting go and pressing forward in Christ Jesus. Look, the reality is, guys, we cannot change the past. We can't. We can't change what was done to us. We can't change our failures. We can't, uh, we can't run on the success of our past either. But we can press forward. We can let go. And I... You know, I think it's one of those things for me as a husband where, again, it's not to highlight being married at all. Please don't misunderstand that. But oftentimes in our marriages, we see those opportunities, don't we, with our spouses of, you know, we get into these disagreements or these arguments or we, you know, because these are the people that are the closest to us, whether it be our spouse or our kids. And there is always that temptation, right, of when something goes wrong, we want to tap into that. We want to wring it out to death. Instead of just letting go. Instead of letting go and just allowing God to move us forward. Yeah, but if I go forward, then God, they may do it again. If I go forward, it's, it's going to hurt more. Someone needs to be held accountable to that. And who are we? Once again, it comes back to who are we to say and who are we to be like, ah. Oh. Right? It's that old adage, right? As we point the finger as, at the opposer, right? we have three fingers pointing right back at us. Right? Paul would say, but for the grace of God, there go I. So one thing I can do, one thing and one thing that I can control, right? and it starts with me letting go of the past and pressing forward in Christ Jesus. I know, and for some cases, guys, right? that is an issue of trust, isn't it? It's an act of faith 
of going out and trusting that God can do what He said He's going to do. Of going forward in faith and believing that what God said in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, right? That all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. It's an act of faith. But I believe it's the one thing that we can do because we can't control what others do. We can't control what they're not doing. All we can control is like what God wants to do in us and through us. And here's the charge for us, letting go and pressing forward in Christ. Here's the second thing, going forward in unity. Look what Paul says. Now, this is a call for maturity, right? This is a call for us stepping forward in maturity. Look what he says in verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. This book, I would believe, is key, right, for Paul's heart for us as the church of going forward in unity. And one of those aspects of going forward in unity Right, is letting go. I mean, isn't that the heart of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Of just that love chapter where Paul says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In order for enduring to happen, it means that there is a togetherness that has to happen. Right? There can't be unity if there's separation. There has to be unity as we work through it together. And Paul, there's a call there. It takes two to tangle. So here's the deal. We, all of us, are in some sort of relationship with one another. Right? But the call here is for you as individualer, individualer, individual followers of Jesus to be unified and have the same mind. It can only happen together. Right? As we make that individual choice to walk forward. It's a call for those who are mature in Christ, not in the sense of age or years, and although that can be, but it's a call specific to those who are walking in the Spirit of Jesus. Walking in the Spirit of God, right? As Paul alluded to in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, right before that, he says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, and in truth, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no, what, confidence in the flesh. Have no confidence in who we were and, and, and our own works and what we could bring to God rather than coming in this humility of like, God, this is what you've done on behalf of me. God, this is what you've done for me. And so in regard to that, I'm pressing on in maturity, not distracted by the past or those who are not standing on what they can do for God, but a focusing on what God has done for us, all with the heart of seeking for the will of God. And I, I would just even like say as, as, as your pastor, of just that heart of just looking, of just looking for unity within the church. Because here's, here's, the, here's the big part of Philippians. See, the attack and the division that was coming against Philippians, a lot of times, you know, we can look in the history of the church and even in, maybe even in our own modern church, and we can see that attacks are, are coming from outside, right? Coming from, you know, the enemy and so forth. But here in Philippians, the, tr- the attack was coming from within the church. It was coming from those people who 
were professing Christ and they were causing divisions among them. They were breaking apart. And here Paul, once again, I mean, it's like multiple times. Twice he says it here in Philippians chapter 2. He says it there again. This call to come together in unity. To press on and to press forward. That as a church, our heart is simply first and foremost. And what is the will of God for us as a church to move forward? And now I know we can look at that, the will of God, right, as though so, like it's some abstract, but I think, you know, abstract understanding, or we can, you know, do this calling, right, this calling. Now, I believe God calls definitely people specifically to do certain things, and God puts things in our hearts, and He, and he, and he, and he calls us forward, I believe, in faith. But even way above that, and way more important than that, Paul says in it's First Thessalonians chapter 4, this is the will of God, your sanctification and that we would seek to press in above all things that we might be made more like Jesus that the life of Jesus is being manifested through us right for the sake of the church and even more so now especially more so now as the stakes are high it's right I mean it's like 2020 just keeps getting better and better doesn't it it's like overall it's just like holy smokes all these the timing of everything and even now, I can't help but think of Holy Smoke who's like, no, that's not holy anymore. Like today, we finally have some clear smoke, right? But there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And so then I, when I think of unity as the church, at least for us, and what God has put us here as the church locally to do here in our own community, can I challenge you in this way for us as the church, as Calvary San Juan, as followers of Jesus, can we be bold enough in this time and in this place to reject all politics and lifestyles and traditions and pithy sayings and mainstream talking points and even pass down cultural norms, again, hear me on this, that contradict, okay, that contradict the way of the gospel and the way of Jesus, right, to go forward in unity for the sake of of Jesus. Because, yeah, we can get caught up in all the things that are going on in our communities. We can get caught up in all the things that are happening on the media and so forth. But at the end of the day, man, there's a lot of people, yes, that are dying, but a lot of people that are dying that don't know Jesus, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, who are in bondage to the past, who are in bondage to, to past heartbreaks and heartaches, Right? Think about this for, this for a second, especially as we think about unity, going forward in unity, what Paul is, is calling for here in this moment, right? In that last verse, he says, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, man, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Understand who the real enemy at work in our race to follow Jesus is. It's the devil. It's a devil and his minions, right? It's not those within the church or our neighbor. And we cannot miss that in our pursuit to follow Jesus. The enemy is our enemy. Don't let your past or sin or success or failures interfere with what God wants to do right now. We're in the middle of the race, right? You know, kind of going back to the analogy earlier, we're in the third quarter, third quarter and it's just starting to get good. And I tell you the truth, that's when I, I go home, I take a nap, and I said, oh, wake me up at the third quarter, because that's when it's going to start getting good. Like for us as a church, it's game time right now. 
Like we're in the third quarter. Look what Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 2. He says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, going forward in unity. Going forward in unity. Here's the third thing, right? Going forward as citizens of heaven. Right, look what he says there next in verse 17. In verse, oh man, in verse 17, we'll go through this real quickly. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk, as you have for us a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And look at that, that's crazy. I mean, I've never, when you look at the scriptures, you don't, Paul is just, I just imagine Paul is this tough guy, right? Just this rowdy guy. I mean, man, he's like, he's like Bear Grylls of the gospel, right? Of just going through and like going through like, you know, being shipwrecked, right? And being bit by a snake and like, oh, look, a snake bit me. Now let's eat it for lunch and move forward, right? And they're like, okay, let's bring the gospel to this guy, right? I mean, it's just Bear Grylls of the guy. But here he is, heartbreaking, weeping. I think there's two things here. One, there's, there is a sense and there is something worthy to be said about what Paul says there. You can see it. It's his sentiment in 1 Corinthians 11. 1, Imitate me as I follow Christ. Right? There is definitely a need and a call for us as women and men of God to be able to set that example that we could say boldly, follow me as, as I follow Jesus. Not put me on a pedestal, not idolize certain people, but yes, follow. There is something we said about people following hard after Jesus, counting the past as dung and saying we're going to press forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus. There's something to be said about that. But two, Paul says also at the same time, be careful. Because there are people that are enemies of cross, that they are fueled by their belly and their own self-righteousness. Note them. To the point it was breaking Paul's heart. That's how much he longed for this unity. But this is where then it shapes who we are. And it's a reminder for us this morning. Right in verse 20, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, or our bodies of humiliation, right? That it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things Himself, right? So there's, there's, two, there's an aspect here of one, right? The best is yet to come as we let go and look forward to Jesus. But also, like, physically speaking, this is exciting, right? Like, the best is still yet to come for our physical bodies as we're able to worship Jesus face to face and receive to take in the glory of God and His throne. But look what Paul says here, and this is huge for us. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. This was huge because in that time and in that culture, Paul was a Roman citizen. It was a big deal to be a Roman citizen with all the rights and all the protections that it gave you. I mean, Paul used his Roman citizenship a couple of times, right, to get out of beatings even. It was a big deal. But Paul, for us as followers of Jesus, and especially for the Philippian church who put a big emphasis on being Roman citizens, there's a huge perspective shift. This idea of citizenship, which speaks to our statehood and, and, and our country and all that kind of allegiance that goes with it. It's different for followers of Jesus. 
if we're citizens of earth only, well then yes, it makes sense that our end goal, right, is that, that we're putting our hope in all these things that are happening around us. That we're there, where our hope rests on who becomes president in November. All those things, if we're just earthly citizens, but we are not as the redeemed of Jesus. As sons and daughters of Christ. And therefore, born again and given identities as citizens of heaven, it is different then we're truly caught up in who Jesus is. And now, as children of God, man, we've become pilgrims just passing through. Because truly, the best is yet to come. And it means that the things that freak everyone else doesn't for us. It means that even in our cultural, political climate, we are not disturbed. We might be horrified at times, for sure. But we're not without hope. Look what William Barclay says about this definition of citizens of heaven. He says this, We have our home in heaven, and here on earth we are a colony of heaven's citizens. Paul is saying, just as the Roman colonists never forgot that they belonged to Rome, you must never forget that you are citizens of heaven, and your conduct must match your citizenship. I love that. A colony of heaven's citizens. Man, that... For me, as like loving sci-fi, I'm like, okay, we have been set here to planet Earth, to colonize Earth, you know? It's like, but with this whole mindset of like, man, the love of Jesus, not with like tasers, right? But like the love of Jesus to colonize here in heaven, but also to, man, revolutionize our minds and our hearts that have been rescued, rescued. And while we are here, we are citizens of heaven waiting for the Savior. And that perspective then changes how we view and how we operate and how we live. This idea, it's funny, the word there, citizen, also uh, speaks of conversation. Like the mode and the things that we talk about, it speaks of that. Like if we are about Jesus, then he's saying then as citizens, it's like that language that comes out. Not in like a weird like Christianese, like, oh, Brother Joe. And then like we're all like crazy minions, right? Or hellions, you know what I mean? But it's like of having this conversation that speaks of the hope of heaven because this place is not our final resting place. It's a place of passing through, right? For the redeemed. Because we are redeemed. Letting go of the past and present is not easy. And when I think of that article on stirring up clutter, like the pictures for me were just like the things that clutter my mind and my heart. The things that I hold on to of past hurts and, and present sufferings and so forth. And yet, and yet, it's a call to let go. To not hoard traditions. To not hoard the hurt. To not hoard those things that can not just become heaps of trash, but for us, spiritually speaking, becomes things of unforgiveness and bitterness. And so we're called to press forward and upward to Jesus despite my or our past or present so that together we lay hold of Jesus. To be unified in our pursuit of Jesus, we together are citizens of heaven. And so as Paul would say there lastly, right, in chapter 4, verse 1, which we'll cover again next week, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. So stand fast. Why? Because we have one who stood fast in our place. We have one 
who stood on the cross and was lifted up. As Moses, even back in the wilderness, he would say, look, you know, as they pointed up the cross, right? I would read it this way. So that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man was lifted up on the cross that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Boom! That's what out of my notes because boom. Let go and press forward in Christ. Let go and press forward in Christ. Man, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these opportunities, Lord, for times of, of like reflection. 